If I can, who knows? Things are not looking good in Lakerland. Um, people are frustrated. Fans are frustrated. The team is frustrated. Everybody is frustrated. What is going on? Well, I'm here to tell you, or to do my best. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you listening. Um, it's tough times. Tough times right now t- for uh, for Laker fans. Tough time for the team. Tough time for the players. A lot of stuff uh, going on. Well, it's midseason right now, Laker fans. Midseason, and here we are. We this is the point of the season where we were looking ahead. In the beginning of the season, we had some injuries mounting up, some crazy coaching stuff. We we're like, you know, we're not really gonna know where this team's at, what kind of team we have until mid-January, probably. Well, guess what? It's mid-January. So here we are. It's mid-season, and it's time to uh, figure out what kind of team we actually have and what we're dealing with. Um, Lakers are obviously slumping right now. Uh, We just finished a three-game road trip, which we had went donut hole for wins, completely shut out in this road trip. Um, our home record is pedestrian at best, and our road record is dismal to embarrassing as be- at best. We, uh, we can't win on the road. We, we've only won this entire year one road game against a team that's over 500 this entire season. Okay, it, it's far worse than anybody expected it to be when the season started. And we didn't start off real great. Uh, but I don't think anybody imagined it It would be getting this bad. Um, things are starting to kind of blow up in the locker room a little bit. The team had a team uh, meeting today before the game. Today being the day of the Memphis game, um, before shoot-around, they had a team meeting to kind of air stuff out. I hear it got kind of heated a little bit. Um, Kobe um, pretty much went direct to Dwight saying, hey, do you not like the way I play? Dwight crawled up in a shell, didn't say anything. Um, a lot of stuff was said and aired out. Team came out to the came out in the game with a really good sense of energy. And and effort and the defense looked excellent. We started off the game with six stops, and but we couldn't sustain it uh, as usual, and we ended up falling to Memphis. Which I mean, which is a good team, not a great offensive team. They hadn't scored over what eighty-five points in their last six games, and they just busted one hundred and six on us. So there aren't too many teams if any, that doesn't look like they could beat us right now. You know, it's not the whole thing where, like, first is like, you know, we're playing for a championship, and then the, that very quickly went to, well, we're going to make the playoffs, and we're not even in the playoffs, and we're going to make the playoffs. And, and now, I mean, we, we could considerably, the way things are going, we could be in dead last place. We are closer to last place than we are to making the playoffs. We're closer to the bottom. So it's um, it's bad. 
So what what do we do? Where where are we? Let's let's start to let me try to, I want to try to fix the explain this a little bit and figure out where we're at, why we're here and hopefully what we can do or what's possible to do. Um it's I'm going to be honest, it's looking it's looking pretty bleak. So let's um let's start off with looking at some uh looking at some players. Um there's a lot of uh trade rumors going around and we we should people saying we should do this trade, we should do that trade. <coughs> we should uh do this and that and the team isn't really gelling together. The team has chemistry issues. <coughs> Excuse me. All kinds of stuff. Um yeah, the team is not really gelling that well right now. And when I say not well, that really means I, not at all. <laughs> um it, it, all all kinds of stuff. I mean, we have we have good players, I believe. I believe we have a a good a well-constructed team. Just everybody is playing below expectation right now. And that's the uh that's the thing. The um the bench, I believe, in the off season was improved from from last year. Obviously, our bench was dreadful last year. Um, we got some improvement uh, in the bench, but things aren't kind of gelling. I mean, we had the standout like last year from the bench was uh, was Jordan Hill, and he came. He decided to come back to the Lakers and and took less money to come back here to compete for a championship. Um, great, great player, great, great energy guy. Always is one of those guys that always is working, always giving one hundred percent effort, and he ends up creating his own plays, creating his own shots. He's a he's a master of the boards. They call him the garbage man on Twitter because he picks up everybody else's garbage. Um, he went out he went out with an injury and uh, he's out for the season. He just had his hip injury today, this morning. Um, he has about a six month recovery time, so he's definitely gone for the year now in terms of the injuries which we have had a a myriad of uh the only real season ending injury i say that as of right now who knows what could happen even tomorrow uh as of right now the only season ending injury is to jordan and which which is a big blow to the team because he was really providing some really much needed energy and spark off the bench but um, as as things would would have it, or as uh, Phil Jackson used to be fond of quoting the basketball gods, the basketball gods have shown on us and taketh away Jordan Hill and giveth Earl Clark. Earl was just lounging at the edge of at the edge of the bench all year long, and then when we got some injuries, he came in and played and was spectacular. Uh, Kept him in, played him again. He needed to continue to be spectacular. He's putting do, doing the exact same thing Jordan was doing. Basically, is a complete energy guy, hustle guy. He he has a little bit uh, more offensive moves um, than Jordan does. Uh, he can still play the four just like Jordan was doing. It's it's amazing when we're so with, with everything bad that's happening. We are so lucky that we have Earl Clark right there that was just sitting there. Not being used, completely being under underutilized. That's not even the right word. He was not being utilized at all, um, and he's he's been fantastic, consistently fantastic. So, 
we're so lucky that we have him to take up that slack that we have, have lost with uh, with Jordan Hill. Um, the rest of the bench is kind of kind of spotty, you know, at best. I mean, uh, you know, we picked up um, Anton Jameson this year, which is supposed to be a great uh, influx of scoring for the bench. He has been inconsistent at best, uh, non-existent at worst. He, he spent, I think, what, six games in a row as a coach's decision to not play. Um, he, he did score, I think, like 23-1 in a game this season, but most of the time he's been really, really spotty. The, he, he's a good player. He's a good energy guy, too. He's an older guy, but he still, he still it can hustle. The problem with uh, problem with Anton is that he he's a terrible defender, and it's and it's not an effort thing. I don't think with him, it's not that he doesn't want to play defense. I think he just he just doesn't know how. He's never been in a situation where he's had to really play defense. Nobody's really expected him or demanded that he play defense. So he just I don't think he's just very good at it. He's not very good at it, and and it shows. <laughs> uh, he's like a sieve on the court defensively. He can score the basketball though. When the ball does move and he's on the floor, he uh, he actually does well, and he can sort of score in kind of unconventional ways, and uh, he's a good player to have on the offensive end. Um, Jody Meeks uh, was real hot uh, a while back, but I, for some reason he got into Coach Coach Antoni's, uh, I'm calling him Antoni this podcast, Coach, Coach Antoni's doghouse, and he hasn't really played many significant minutes um he got he was getting real hot from the three he's like the only real pure shooter that we have on the team and with the offense that we're running right now and tony's offense we desperately need pure shooters so why he's been languishing on the bench is a little bit of a mystery to me he's definitely an energy guy he, he comes in and gives 100 percent energy all the time which is not something that everybody on the team has been doing consistently but Jody always did, so I I really wish he would be able to play more and uh, contribute more. But I'm not sure why the coach uh, coaching staff is not letting him play. <coughs> um, let's see. Uh, speaking of not letting him play, what's going on with uh, Devin Devin Ebanks? I have no idea what. I mean, I know early in the season he was busted for DUI, and and then he got benched right after that. Didn't see time at all i guess he was in the coaching doghouse because of his doi i'm guessing uh and then he and then he got some minutes and got to play and i thought he did really well um you know he's a he's a pretty good defender he's got really long arms he can get in people's faces uh, he can he can shoot an open an open shot um he's he's a really good player he started a bunch of games for us uh last year so but he's can't even see the light of day right now for uh for whatever reason not sure what's uh What's going on with that? Um, uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's get into the starting lineup a little bit. Uh, so MWP, I I'm he's MWP is one of the guys. Metal World Peace is one of the guys on the team that, in my opinion, to my eyes, I watch every single game. In my eyes, he gives effort every single night, every single minute he's on the court. He is giving maximum effort, and that is pretty rare on this team. So defensively, he's really stepped it up. You know, from coming into to camp in shape uh, this year, it's really done wonders for him and for his game. 
and he's really, really steady. And he is he is the most consistent defender on the team, um, and has been all season long. So thank thank goodness that we have MWP. He went in through a little slump when D'Antoni, or sorry, when Antoni decided to bench him and bring him off the bench because our bench was sucking so bad that oh we'll just take a starter and bring him off the bench and that'll that'll fix the bench and and it didn't the rhythm was all off and he didn't have a rhythm with the bench players and he went into a really bad shooting slump and then as soon as he came back to the starting lineup all of a sudden he started shooting better it and, and it's I I firmly 100% believe that that was not caused because he was pouting per se because he got put on the bench and so now he's not going to play as well because he's on the bench and he's pouting and then once he got back put back in the starting lineup now he's happy and he's gonna try again I, I don't I don't think he's not wired that way MWP is like he he's he's the closest thing we have to to Kobe in that sense that he he doesn't decide when to try hard when to work hard he just does it because that's the only way he knows how and and that's what he does. Most guys are not wired that way, but I think um, we have a few of those guys on the team, uh, which is a good thing. So I th- I think um, Meta has been doing a great job this year, and I'm I'm happy that we have him. Seriously, um, let's see, Steve Nash, um, he he's been okay, uh, not great, you know he. He's been kind of inconsistent late. Lately, the past few games, he's been a turnover machine, which is very un unlike Steve Nash, you know. And there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I think. I mean, one, the guys are really not confident. Um, they're not confident in in the team. They're not confident in the system. They're not confident in themselves. So the cuts are not clear the cuts are not quick when guys are are moving without the ball and it's it's inconsistent so it's really difficult for him to really gauge where guys are going to be he knows where they're supposed to be but he doesn't know if they're going to be there and a lot of times he tries to thread the basket into places and then guys aren't there or it gets picked off because there's that slight bit of hesitation either in the pass or in the cut and that's all that other team needs to uh scope it off and pick it off. So turnovers are are high and a lot of them are coming from Steve Nash, you know, and I think that's a uh, a little bit a little bit of an issue. He hasn't been shooting a whole lot either. He's he's a great shooter uh historically throughout his career and he hasn't been shooting uh, a whole lot. There was one game uh recently the was it the Toronto game, I think. Um or the Chicago game. I think it was the Chicago game where he actually scored 18 points, like the most he scored all year. I mean, he he sh- we should be able to do that all night long. But he really tried to step up and and do some scoring and it was uh it was nice. It was a good thing for us. But I think Steve is a consummate team player. He never complains. He's always always checking in and encouraging his teammates, giving uh giving direction and giving encouragement all the time. You see him doing it on the floor constantly and even on the bench constantly. He's uh, he's the one guy on the team that does that, that really tries to get everybody involved. And when I say tries to get everybody involved, I don't mean just 
as a point guard by passing the ball. I mean, like talking to guys, talking to guys in between plays, communicating on the floor, really trying to get people involved, being on the bench, talking to guys on what they're doing, what they're not doing, getting people involved. He's he's really the only guy on the team that that does that and is doing that. Uh, and thank goodness he is doing that. Uh, but he does need to kind of step it up a little bit because his turnovers are way too high. And with the talent that he has, he needs to score more. Especially in the slump that the team is uh, is going through right now. Um, so let's go to, let's switch over to Pow, okay? A lot of talk about Pow lately because he he, he had some, some injuries. He discovered he had... Uh, tendonitis in both of his knees. He has plantar fasciitis in his right foot, and so he sat out a bunch of games. Um, and then he came back and was playing okay. And he's he's been he it hasn't been a good season for Pow. He hasn't been playing well, um, at all. The past couple games, past three games, uh, he's been playing really well. Um, when he came back off of, off of uh, his concussion, he he missed I think six six games. When he got a concussion, when he came back from that, he, he came back really strong. He came back off the bench because he was coming back from an injury. He played well, and then the following game, he started, uh, scored 25 points, most he scored all year, um, and and had 12 rebounds, I think. Really, really good game. And so, of course, uh, Coach Antoni uh, benched him after that and decided to bring him off the bench. Um. And that's where he is right now. He's not happy about it. He doesn't like it. But he, the the bigger picture, and he said this straight up: the bigger picture is that is the team, and the team needs to figure out how to win. And he's going to do whatever it takes um, as a team player so that the team can figure out how to start start to get some wins. But if you ask him directly, what does he think about not starting? And no, he's not crazy about it. And that's honest. And he shouldn't be. I mean, he's never he's never come off the bench his entire career ever. He's always been a starter. I mean, he is. He's a starter. He's an all-star. He he r- ran as the unqualified leader of the Spanish Olympic team just this just this last summer, and they were incredible. Um, he's not a bench guy. The only reason he's coming off the bench is because Coach uh, Antoni has no clue how to integrate him uh, with Dwight into the offense. He has no he has no idea how to do it. He doesn't want. I don't think he even wants to do it. So the only thing he's like, well, he plays really good center. He plays good in the post, and that's where I want Dwight. So bring him off the bench so he can play in center, and then Dwight can play center, and then everything's good, right? Everything's fine. Well, no, it's 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 Palgas Hall. It's one. It's a complete waste of time. I mean, I under, I understand the logic behind if you if he plays better in the post than he does trying to be a stretch four then put him in the post. Okay, so then that means he's coming off the bench, and then you always have either Dwight or Powell on the floor at all times. And okay, that kind of makes sense. I understand. Okay, it's it's still a drastic misuse of, of talent, not to mention the even bigger picture of the mental effect that it has on a team who's been a starter his entire career who is giving you everything that he has who's playing playing hard right now and one of the few guys on the team who's trying to figure things out trying to get other people involved you see pal talking to guys all the time on the court trying to talk talk it out figure it out where you're supposed to be what are we supposed to be doing here we go being supportive so let's uh let's bench him let's bring him off the bench how can that 
Pau has always been a guy who is he he's not he's not Kobe Bryant in in mentally, okay? In and what I mean by that, I don't mean intelligence. I mean in terms of Pau is Pau can be affected by things. Pau is a human being. Kobe Bryant is not a human being. Okay, just get that idea out of your mind. Kobe Kobe's not human, so don't think of him like that. Pau is a human being. Okay, when there are trade rumors every single day involving him, it it affects him. He tries to not let it affect him, but it affects him. You know. If something huge goes down in his personal life, it kind of affects him. He tries not to, tries to be professional, but it affects him. Things affect Pal. Pal, Pal cares, obviously. I mean, he does so much work um, off the court. I mean, work with Children's Hospital in L.A. He, he's been worked with St. Jude's Children's Hospital in, in Memphis ever since he was in Memphis. We went. We had our game in Memphis. The first thing, when we the, plane, the team got off the plane, everybody else went to the hotel, except Pal got in a car and went right to St. Jude's Children's Hospital to spend time and go see the kids over there that he's, that he's worked with for, for years. I mean, he's, he's got this huge heart. He loves the team. He want, he's a family guy. He wants the team to do well. He wants the team to be successful. He, he said that he identifies himself with this team as a Laker, he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to go somewhere else. He's not demanding to be traded, even though he's coming off the bench. He still wants to make it work. You know, he's a character guy. He that's we need more of that on the team, not less. So, all these trade rumors uh, with Pal, I I think I I completely disagree that we should get rid of him. Oh, he's the only piece we have right now that we could get anything. Nobody wants Pal. I mean, the team, the team, the Lakers. For, for Laker fans, we see it one way. The rest of the world, the rest of the league, sees us in a very different light, okay? Nobody is scared of the Lakers right now. Everybody thinks they can beat us right now, home or away. And, and most of the time, they're right, considering our, our record, you know? I don't think we can get hardly anything, any decent uh, return for trading Powell right now anyway, even if I would even want to consider trading him, which I don't. Um, I wish there was a way that Antoni could figure out how to actually incorporate him into the starting lineup and work with uh, with Dwight. Uh, I just don't think he... I don't think he has that capacity. I don't, I don't think he has the capacity to figure it out, and I don't think he even has the desire to figure it out. I don't think he wants to. I don't think... I, I think he can care less about what Pal thinks about it, care less about what it does to his psyche, what it does to his confidence by all of a sudden, you know, he's he's a champion. He's a two-time champion. How many how many rings is, does Antoni have? And how many rings does Pal have? You know? And yet Antoni's telling Pal, you're you're gonna be my bench guy. You're gonna be a role player coming off the bench. You know? Okay, yeah, obviously Pau knows his own value. He knows his own success, and he it's not like he's thinking, wow, I guess I really suck because I'm coming off the bench. No, it's not that, but it does affect your psyche if you know that your coach, the guy who's making the decisions, the guy who's dictating your time on the floor, the guy who's dictating what you're going to do during that time on the floor, if that person has absolutely no faith in you, that's going to have an effect on you. It's going to have an effect on you. It's ridiculous that Pow Pow's being treated in this whole this whole thing. For everything that he's done for the team, that he's being treated like this is is a travesty, I, I believe. 
and and the fact that he's not demanding a trade because of it is a pure testament to his character as a, as a person. It 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 kind of pisses me off when I think about it. You know, I mean, yeah, has Pau been playing very well for the majority of this season? No, he hasn't. He's he's been he's been slumping too. We, he he needs to play to play better. Obviously, he needs to be more assertive, uh, not just in the post, but just altogether. He needs to be more assertive. Pau should should have double digit rebounds every single game. Okay, and that's on Pal. That's not that's not on whether he's coming off the bench or whether he's starting or what the coach thinks of him or anything. That's all on Pal. Pal needs to have double digit rebounds every single game. Period. He's a seven footer. He's taller than almost every every person he's playing against. He should have double digit rebounds, and so so should you, Dwight. I'm gonna get to you in a second. But that's where Powell needs to step up. He needs to be more aggressive. He's he started to do that these last couple games. He he's been a lot more aggressive and more consistent throughout the course of the games. Uh, when when he came back from his injury, he I mean he's he went out first because of his his knees. He went out for like two weeks. And then he came back. He had to get reconditioned, and then he got a concussion, and then he was out for another two weeks. And now he's gonna come back, and he's got. And when he was out for those two weeks, he couldn't like like work out like keep his his cardio up keep his his conditioning up because he was recovering from bad knees you got to stay off from and he's recovering from a concussion which is very very specific things that you can't do when you're recovering from a con- con- concussion so he's he's in terms of his like conditioning and his rhythm which is super super important for a basketball player his it's been off it's been it's been on and off and on and off and on and off because of these things that he's having to deal with. So now he's just starting to get his rhythm back, I think. And you can see it as his play is is elevating. You know, he had a decent game tonight against Memphis, but yeah, he can do better. I believe he will do better, but he needs to. Powell needs to get he needs to be more assertive on the floor, demand the ball more, and and the one thing, regardless of the offense, regardless of where the ball is going, regardless of he's coming off the bench or starting, he needs to get more rebounds. He needs to make sure he gets double-digit rebounds every single game. Period. Done. End of story. Got it, pal? Do it. That's what you need to do. Okay? Cool. All right. Now let's move to Dwight Howard. Now, Dwight is, man, this is a, this is the thing here because he supposedly is the future. He's the future of the franchise. He's, what, 25, 26 years old, something like that. He's going to be the one who's here when everybody else is gone. He, he's the guy that the team's going to build around, um, and he has not been showing up. He's been kind of sucking, okay? And we, I think we've been giving him a lot of... Uh, We've given him a big free pass because of his back injury, and okay, that that might be legit. I mean, nobody really knows how hard it is to come back from a back injury, except somebody who's had to come back from a back injury, and it's not like normal people, like where you can come back from a back injury, where you can like, okay, now I can go to work now and kind of get through the day. I mean, this is a professional basketball player who's running up and down a court and having people slam against you and knock against you and foul you every five seconds they can because you can't make a free throw so it's it's a different story you know and it's it's a different thing it's harder so it 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 may just be that but i don't think it is i don't think it is i i think dwight has nowhere near the kind of of mental uh toughness that like let's say kobe has 
you know, or even uh, Meta World Peace. He does not go out and give his 100% effort every night, no matter what. And, uh, and that's a problem. You can really tell when he's upset about something or he's, he's, you know, there's all this talk about, well, he's, he's frustrated because the ball, he's not getting enough touches. And, you know, he's never really been comfortable with Kobe because Kobe's such an alpha, alpha male type. And I think he's, he's, Dwight's been threatened by that. And he's kind of been critical of that a little bit here and there. And I think he feels a little threatened by that. He doesn't feel comfortable because he, this is obviously on this team, very different than all the years he's been in Miami. He's not just the man, you know. And I think because he's not the man, that make that affects him and it affects his play, which which is not something I I would ever thought think would happen. That this was one of my problems with Andrew. Andrew would be completely affected by anything, by criticism, you know, by um by the press, by an injury, you know, all these things would come into play and keep him from really playing 100%. And so the effect was he never really played 100%. He was always in and out. He would play in spurts, which is which is what I see with Dwight. And in effect, the entire team um, plays in spurts, you know. Um, when Dwight is upset about something or whatever, he, he kind of doesn't doesn't go out and give 100%. And it, that's not something I ever saw with him before he came to the Lakers. I'm a little surprised that that's happening. But I'm also real disappointed that that's happening. Um, because, like I said, that was one of the main problems that I had with uh, with Andrew. And I've seen it with Dwight. Because when he comes out, like, all right, I'm going to really, I'm going to make a point. I'm going to make a, a statement. I'm going to come out. I'm going to do this. He's amazing. He's had a couple games where he's done that. And this game, he came out with with Memphis. They had the team meeting. Kobe called him out. He apologized to the press. Say, I, I I've been acting immature. I got to think about just dominating on the floor more than rather than complaining about touches. Yes, 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 yes. Then he came out and played like a beast on the defensive end um, in the first quarter. And then late in the second quarter, he re-injured his shoulder, and he's uh, and he's out for the rest of the game. And he might be out for longer than that. So. It's like that, that. I think that's kind of a microcosm of the entire season. You know, you have this problem, and then you say, "You know what? We're gonna get past this problem. We're gonna deal with it." And and Dwight was like, "I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go out, and I'm gonna be dominant no matter what. And this is my job. The team is not gonna not gonna have success unless I dominate. So I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna do." And he goes out there, and he starts dominating defensively, and things are looking good. And then he hurts his shoulder, and he's out. And I think that's. The, that's the constant emotional roller coaster that the team has been on, which has caused such a huge problem with their consistency and um, and their chemistry, which which I'm going to talk about also, you know. But with Dwight, I think that's the o- the only way that he's going to be successful, and the only way that the team is going to be successful is if that's what he does every single night. He comes out with a purpose. I am going to dominate this game. I'm going to play. It, it see instead of complaining or pouting that you're not the number one guy on the team, then go out and be the number one guy on the team. Period. 
You know, that's the, that was the problem with, with Andrew. He was all upset because Powell was the second option, Kobe's the first option, and he's only the third option. So, you know, Coach Brown was like, all right, fine, let's, you're the second option now. And he, and he kicked Powell to the curb. And, um, and, then, and then Andrew couldn't step up. He couldn't step up and be consistent, you know, um, and and I see the same thing with Dwight. So if he can figure that out, and hopefully if he's not injured and out for the rest of the season now with his torn labrum again, then I think we might have something that we can build on. But that's Dwight's thing. Dwight has to shut up, quit whining, quit complaining, and I'm I'm talking about in in press conferences, interviews, and on the court. He's got to shut up, quit complaining to the refs, quit and let yourself get stripped of the ball every time you touch it, every time it comes to you in the post. You want to have more touches? You want to get more more touches? Quit letting yourself get stripped of the ball every single time. Quit complaining, play better. You want to be the man? Then be the man. If you want to dominate, then dominate. Quit bitching and get to work. Okay, that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen with Dwight. That's what needs to happen with the whole team. But it's got to start with Dwight, okay, because he is the backbone of the team. The way the team is set up system-wise, the defense is Dwight Howard. It's, it's ridiculous that it's set up that way, but it is, you know. And when he's not there, there's really nothing that people – they're not used to playing without him. They're used to depending on him, just like the team completely depends on Kobe offensively. The team completely depends on Dwight defensively. So when he's not there, they are completely – lost completely and uh and it's a problem like did, did you ever like remember when when pow or, or sorry when kobe would call out call out pow in the media like the last example of that was when he he made the comment that pow needs to put his big boy pants on and you know he needs to adjust you know he needs to adjust there's uh you know, stuff's going on. Coach needs him to do different things. He needs to adjust. Put your big boy pants on. And everybody, like, the the media had a field day with that. Oh, there's a rift between Kobe and Powell, and they're fighting. And, wow, Co- Kobe's are really calling out Powell. And, and it was it was nothing. Kobe did that because because Kobe respects Powell. He respects him completely. They've been to the war together. They've won championships together. He knows what Powell's capable of, and he knows that Powell can take it. Powell's a man. Okay, he Kobe can call him out like that publicly, and he's not gonna fold up. He's gonna step up and do better. You know, how look back over the past few years when Andrew was on the team, and think of all the times that Kobe publicly called out Andrew. And I'm not talking about the little video that those two kids recorded of him in the parking lot of the grocery store where he went off on Andrew and talking about trading for Jason Kidd. I'm not talking about that. Normal interviews how many times did kobe call out andrew yeah zero donut hole he never did it he never did it. if anything a lot of times he would surprisingly support andrew say well yeah i know what he's going through and it's tough and this and that he would never call him out publicly and the reason my theory is because he never had really any respect for him as a as a as a person cuz he knew if Kobe called out Andrew publicly he would fold it would become this huge deal and he would pout on the on the court and he Kobe knew to win he needed Andrew he needed Andrew to play his best cuz it wouldn't work without that and he knew that he knew that the whole time and he knew that if he called him out 
it it would just blow up because Andrew couldn't take it, which is why he calls out Pal because he knows he can because Pal's not going to fold up like a cheap suit. Okay, and now think about the times that Kobe has called out Dwight publicly, right? Hasn't happened. They're still building that trust or or trying to. I don't know if it's working or not. It, it's kind of going to depend on Dwight, I think. If Dwight can handle being on the same team as, as Kobe and know that, you know, Kobe's an alpha male, Kobe's going to be Kobe, and can you be Dwight while Kobe's being Kobe? That's what Dwight has to figure out, and I think that's what Kobe's waiting for Dwight to figure out and hoping Dwight's going to figure out. But uh, but we'll see. But that's the deal uh, with that. Well, let's get... Let's get into Kobe, okay? A um, lot of talk, as always, about Kobe. I mean, there's always the Kobe's the savior of the team. Kobe's a ball hog. Kobe's a, Kobe's selfish. Kobe is the problem with the Lakers. Kobe's the problem with the offense. The ball sticks because he just wants to go and isolate and jack up shots and all this stuff. And yeah, obviously, both of those things are are exaggerations. Um. Uh, yeah, Kobe sometimes runs ISO too much, and he jacks up shots sometimes. Um, the offense is, is not a free-flowing machine that it's supposed to be right now. Um, Kobe is pretty much the only guy on the team, uh, other than maybe Dwight Howard, who can actually create his own shot. Everybody else needs the system to work, needs the system to work for them, get them the ball, get them open shots, and then they can they can score. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to put Earl Clark, Earl Clark easy into that category too because we don't run any plays for him, any plays for him, and he still gets his points. He still gets his, his nuggets per se every game. That's because he creates his own opportunities through hustle and, and rebounding and hustle and being there and he creates his own his own points and he gets them uh but kobe's really the only person on the team other than dwight who can really create his own shot and so he does that and let me let me tell you people now i've I've been saying this for a while you know some people might agree some people might disagree that uh kobe is not the problem in the offense if kobe has been so many times the absolute only thing keeping us in games if if he were to stop shooting, you think things are bad now? You can't even imagine how bad it would be if if Kobe wasn't there scoring scoring the ball the way he does. I mean, nothing would happen. It it would be and but you know what, you don't have to believe me because everybody's gonna find out sooner than later. Because Kobe's only got one, two more years left and then we're gonna go into the after Kobe time of the Lakers, and people are going to find out real quick how things are going to be different. Oh, yeah, things are going to be different because the ball is going to move now, and now the ball is going to be full. It's not going to get stuck, and now, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll see. I mean, sure, that may be true to an extent, um, but we'll see if, uh, if the ball goes in the hole as much as it does right now. So 
like I said, he's he's really a lot of times the only thing keeping us in games. Every time when we – so many countless games this year we've been behind. We get behind by double digits because they don't hustle. And then all of a sudden they start hustling, and then they start working, and then they start scoring, and then we build ourselves back out of this hole, and it's not quite enough to get catch up, and then we lose at the end. How many times has that happened this year? I, I can't even count how many times that's happened this year. But almost every single time that it's happened, the the, the – the time that the team starts getting back in and starts scoring again starts with Kobe, with Kobe scoring the ball on his own. Sometimes running the office, sometimes not, but still scoring. So be thankful that you have Kobe Bryant, folks, because you're not going to have him for very much longer. The time is almost done. So, and, and uh, well, how long is that time? Well, actually, we've, I've talked about that uh, specifically. So you can go back and listen to some previous podcasts uh, if you missed that because I talked in depth about how long I think Kobe is going to play and or not play. So, but I'm telling you, it's uh, it's not that long. Now, Kobe, the th- the, here's 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 the thing with Kobe. Kobe needs a strong coach, okay? Because the reason that Kobe can always score at will and the reason that he can make game-winning shots at the end of games is because he has the mindset that he can always make any shot. He will always shoot himself out of a shooting slump, okay? He, unless unless the stakes are so high that he doesn't have time to shoot himself out, case in point, um, Game 7 of the NBA Finals in 2010, the last uh, championship we won, Game 7, Kobe was ice cold, could not make a basket and instead of just kind of keep shooting and shooting himself out of it because it was game seven because it was so important because that was the one game we had to win he put his energy elsewhere he put all of his energy into rebounding and got a season high rebounds kept us into the game in the game with his hustle and we ended up winning that game at the end winning him his fifth championship so don't give me the ball hog stuff, okay? That's him. Something's not working. He's tried something else. Any way to make to, to help the team. The point being, he always gives 100%, okay? You can, yes, you can criticize his shot selection. Um, you, can, you can criticize his passing. You can criticize his assist. But you cannot ever criticize his effort. And, and that's the one thing that most of the team is lacking is that consistency of effort. And that's what Kobe brings every single time. Now, the problem is that Kobe is, he's, I said before I made that, it was kind of half joking, I said he's not human. He's not a human being. And the, the point I'm trying to make with that is that you have to think of him that way. Kobe is an instrument, okay? He is a tool, and what I mean by tool, I don't mean like he always oh, a tool. I mean he is an a tool isn't an instrument. He's an instrument. He's an assassin. Okay. He's he's not somebody who's gonna run the entire offense and go and have to defend the best player on the other team and then go and, and run our offense and score more points than everybody else. He's not gonna he can't do everything. Even though if you t- if you tell him to do that, that's what he'll do. He will give everything he has to do that. And that's what hopefully, I, I can only hope and pray that Coach Antoni is learning 
the fact that he said he thought, oh, I'm going to just put our defense sucks. I'm going to put Kobe on the best defensive guy and he's going to show by example how to defend and then the rest of the team is going to step up. And then he did that and Kobe did great for the first couple of games. And then all of a sudden we started finding that he couldn't make a shot. He completely lost his legs because he was spending so much energy defending the best player on the other team. I was like, wow, okay, well, that's not really going to work. But it's not like he said, you know, Kobe, I want you to defend the best player on the other team. And Kobe said, yeah, coach, I clearly can't do that because I'll lose my legs. No. Kobe says, cool, I got it, no problem. I'm going to do it. Kobe, go through that wall with your head because that's what we need to do to win. Okay, no problem, I got it. Whoa, 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 don't really do that. He's an instrument, okay? He's an instrument that needs to be utilized and used in specific ways that will help the team. The problem is that outside of Phil Jackson, there aren't that many coaches out there who have the balls to go up to Kobe and say, hey, this is what I need you to do, okay? Or this is what I don't need you to do. And that's he needs that. He respects that. The team needs that. I am almost convinced... Coach Antoni does not have the balls to do that. Um, he, except for when he when he told them he has to defend the best player on the other team, which hopefully he realized was a stupid idea because he can't run his his one horse into the ground, you know, which which he's doing. I mean, Kobe has like almost a season high, uh, a league high in in minutes. I mean, he's playing an average of what thirty nine minutes a game. I mean, he's he's. 34 freaking years old. He's played 17 seasons. And he's playing 39 minutes a game? That's just lazy coaching. I mean, say, oh, sure, Kobe's the best player on the team, so he's got to play. He's got to play the most. Okay, that's that sounds all great. And you can say, oh, yeah, well, he's making, you know, $21 million. He should earn every penny. Okay, I'm, I'm with that. I don't disagree with that. But the reality of that is that you're going to run him right into an injury. If he keeps playing these kind of minutes, it's not like Kobe's going to take it easy. It's not like Kobe's going to think in his head, okay, I'm playing a lot of minutes. I need to like go easy here to make sure that I don't get injured. No, he's going to play hard 100% every single minute that he's out there on the floor. So if you put him in the situation where he could injure himself or put himself in a position where he could get injured, guess what? Yeah, he's going to get injured. And that's on you, Coach Antoni. Okay, you have to be aware of that. You have to look out for that. That's one of your major jobs. One of the only jobs that you have as a as a head coach in game situations is manage the minutes. You know, well, nobody else is stepping up. Nobody else is is generating the offense. I have to play Kobe. Oh, well, maybe you should consider coaching the rest of the guys. Maybe you can, should consider finding a way to get everybody else involved. Find a way to get the offense running like it's supposed to. Find a way to get the defense running like it's supposed to so you don't have to run Kobe into the ground, idiot. You know? He is an instrument. He is, they call him the Black Mamba because he's like a snake. He, he's a cold-blooded assassin. He'll do whatever needs to be done or whatever you tell him that needs to be done, and he'll do it full out. Not everybody on the team will do that, which is why the team sucks so bad right now. But you have to take advantage of the skills that you have 
as a coach, you have to take advantage of the talent that you have on the roster. And you have to know that's what Kobe is. Whatever you tell Kobe to do, he's going to do and do it full out. So you can't tell him to do everything. That's just lazy coaching. You have to coach everybody else. You have to get the rest of the team up to a certain level not up to his level, because that's just not going to happen, but get them up to a level where he can come in in a specific role and dominate that specific thing. And that doesn't have to be the same thing all the time. It can change depending on the opponent. It should change depending on the opponent, but it's got to be that specific. you got to have that kind of specificity in your coaching and that kind of knowledge. And again, I, I don't think he has it. <sighs> They they lost the game today, like seventh game in a row or something like that. Uh, after the game, they asked Kobe, you know, so what happens now? He's, and Kobe said, hey, we have to go back to work tomorrow. We just have to go back to work tomorrow. He's of one mindset. We're going to work hard. We're going to work hard. We're going to do everything that we can to figure this out and pull ourselves out of it. He never doubts. He never doubts that they can. He never doubts that they will. That's something you need. You need that with everybody. But guess what? There's a problem, though. Kobe says we're going to have to go back to work tomorrow. Problem is, sorry, Kobe, Coach Antoni canceled practice tomorrow. He's canceling practices right and left. This team has no idea what they're doing defensively. They suck offensively, and they never practice. I mean, practices are so few and far between in the regular season anyway because you're constantly traveling, you're constantly playing games. You really don't have that much time to practice, and every time they do have a practice, he he gives them the day off. I, I don't... I don't get it. I really, I really, I really don't get it. Which brings us to Coach Antoni. Okay, what the hell is he doing? Now, first of all, let me say that I I was very vocal um, and positive when uh, when he got hired. I truly believed, like I felt the front office believed, that this was the right thing to do for this team at this time. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and right now it's really popular to say I can't, they should have hired Phil Jackson, and we would be so much better with Phil Jackson. I don't. I still don't necessarily know if that's true. I mean, it certainly appears that it couldn't be any worse than it is right now, so it probably would be better with Phil Jackson. But the the problem, a lot of the problems that we're having right now, the lack lackadaisical attitude at times, the inability to sustain effort throughout the course of an of a game um players not giving 100% that kind of stuff started under Phil Jackson i mean that we were doing that stuff in the championship years we just got away with it and then it just kind of got worse and worse and worse as time went along you know to the point where we got outed ousted from the in the second round of the playoffs two years in a row you know and they got rid of Phil, you know, brought in Mike Brown because he had a plan and he had like five notebooks of, of ideas and stuff that he was going to turn the team around. And they said, wow, you have a lot of ideas and let's go. You're a defensive minded coach. Cool. Let's do it. Obviously, we know how that worked out. And that's another thing we can say, well, shoot, they co- they fired Coach Brown this year after, you know, what, four games, five games. Could we really have been this worse with with Mike Brown? Probably not. 
I mean, we'd still be dealing with a lot of the same things. The injuries happened. The injuries would still be there. Um, he might still be dealing with the, the lackadaisical effort and inconsistency with effort because I don't think that Mike Brown had any really more control or motivation over the team than uh, Coach Antoni does. But we probably wouldn't be this bad defensively because I really believe that Coach Antoni has no clue how to coach or, more importantly, how to teach defense. This has always been his problem. This is nothing new. This has been his MO his entire coaching career. You know, and, and this is something I talked about on an earlier podcast also. The biggest thing, when he before he was hired, he was quoted as saying, I understand that one of my, my weaknesses as a coach is in defense. And the next time I get an opportunity, I'm going to put myself in a position where I'm going to bring in somebody so to make sure and fill that void so that that weakness is not there. You're like, yes, awesome. Now we, we hired him. So who's who's going to bring in as his defensive-minded assistant coach? You know, Nate McMillan. McMillan was on the board. He was available. Maybe he'll bring in Nate. And who's he going to – who's he going to – he didn't bring in anybody. Damn. So he just kept the same staff that was here under Mike Brown, uh, who, like Eddie Jordan, who's here to in, to uh, work the Princeton offense, which we're not running anymore, but we still have Eddie Jordan, and we didn't really bring in a defensive coach. Okay. Oh, don't worry. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. Once, once, uh, well, Steve Nash is injured. It's all, it's all going to be fine. Once Steve Nash comes back, it's going to fix everything. Is it really going to fix the defense? It's going to fix everything. Once Steve Nash comes back, it's going to fix everything. Well, how did that work out? Steve Nash is back. He's playing every game, and we still suck. <laughs> and you could argue that we suck more now than we did <laughs> even when he was out with his injury. It's because he doesn't know how to teach defense. He, at least, at the very least, he is preaching defense. Okay? He's preaching it to the team. He's preaching it during the game. He's talking about in the in the press conferences. He's talking about defense. Our defense has to improve. More defense. Go defense. But I honestly think that's that's the extent of his uh, plan. His defensive plan is more defense. Let's go, guys. Got to defend. There's no plan. I, I, it's it's incomprehensible to me that we are. Paying this guy four million dollars, four million dollars, and he has no clue how to teach one half of the game of defense. I mean, shoot, you could argue he doesn't have a clue how to teach the other half of the game the way they're playing offense right now. But it's it's he never has any answers. I mean, I know part of this is just dealing with the press. We're getting this through the press, you know. What's the what's the problem, Mike? I don't, I don't know. How come the team isn't responding? I don't know. How come they're not showing effort? I don't know. Well, you know what? For four million shekels, you should know, and you need to know, okay? And that is the problem, in my mind. That's the problem with with him. That's the problem with the team. And that's the problem that we're running into that I can't really see an answer for. You know, I don't I don't think he does have the answers. I don't think he has any clue how to get us out of this slump. He knows that guys have to work harder. Sure. We've we've known that for months. He knows that the ball has to move. Sure. We've known that too. He knows that we have to play better defense. Okay. How? How, Mr. Four million dollars? 
how can we play better defense? There's no plan. There doesn't even seem to be an offensive plan besides get Steve Nash the ball and run a high pick and roll. Well, what about when that doesn't work? You know, we played Miami, played the Heat. You know, it was a big uh, test on where we are as a team, playing the the defending champs. You know, and we hung with them for most of the game. We were tied uh, with two minutes to go, and then they pulled away, uh, went on a 10-0 run at the last two minutes of the game, and we lost. But the Heat showed the world, showed should have showed us, this is how you defend. This is how it's done. Because they played a great defensive game. They're a great defensive team. Just they're already just they are a great defensive team. And then when they all really step up and really try, then they're an amazing defensive team. And they showed the world how to beat the Lakers. They went right at Steve Nash as soon as he got the ball. They didn't allow him to just come in and survey the floor and let's kick the ball into wherever it needs to go. He wasn't able to do that. As soon as he, as soon as he got the ball, boom, he was double teamed. And we did not we have no counter for that. We had no counter. What what happened? Turnovers. <gasps> what happens when we get turnovers? Yeah, fast breaks. Transition defense non-existent. Boom. Layup, layup, dunk, layup, dunk, layup, dunk. You think the rest of the league wasn't watching that game? You think everybody else didn't see that and was like, "Oh. Okay, cool. Well, we already knew that all you got to do is play hard defense against the Lakers, get turnovers, and then just run. I mean, this last year in in the first round of the playoffs when we played Denver, that was their whole scheme. Be aggressive with defense. When you get those turnovers, run. As soon as you get the ball, run. That was the, And guess what? It, it worked pretty much. It took us seven games to get through that series. You think the rest of the league wasn't watching? We saw Miami now do it to us. You think the rest of the league's not watching, taking notes? Of course they are. Everybody knows how to how to deal with us because there's no we have no counters to the offense. The offense is running through Stephen Ash, move the ball, and get it, and then run the high pick and roll. And when you start double teaming Nash right off the ball, you start fronting Dwight Howard, and he's not confident enough in his own free throw shooting to really fight through. Or, or he's still more injured than he's saying. Either way, then you, you render it effective. So what do you do now, coach? What do you do now? They're taking your primary weapon, then they're making it ineffective. So what do you do? What's your counter? Uh, I don't know. How can you fix it? Uh, I don't know. Well, for $4 million, coach, you need to know. Okay, I'm, I'm sick of the excuses. Laker fans are sick of the excuses. You are a system guy. You're all about the system. Well, the system this and the system dictates this and the system dictates that. I'm sick of hearing about your your damn system that's not even working. Okay? Sure, it worked in Phoenix to an extent. How many championships did you win in Phoenix with the system? Oh, yeah. None. But you had all these midgets who were young and could, like, Speedy Gonzalez run, run out of the gym. So... It kind of worked. You just ran everybody out and scored 120 points every game. And you came here and said, hey, you know what? If we don't average 120 points, then there's something wrong. That's what you said. You said it on camera, dude. So guess what? There's something wrong because we're not averaging 120 points. So what are you going to do? Because you're the head coach, and it's your job to figure it out. I don't think he can figure it out. I don't even think I don't even know if he's trying to figure it out. I think all that it's in his head is they gotta work harder. They need more effort. They gotta work harder. All right, it it's 
it's not like the team is not playing with effort, okay? They come out and they play with effort. The problem is that they don't really know as a team how to play with sustained effort because it's not a habit. Playing with effort is like a task for this team. It's a task. It's something that, okay, now, oh, we have to play with effort. Okay, okay, cool. We can do that. Let's do that. And they go out and they start to do that. But since they're not used to doing that, it's not a habit, they can't sustain it for the entire game. I don't, I don't even know if it's a physical thing. It might be purely mental. Like they don't have the mental capacity or the mental stamina, to be more specific, to play good defense for the entire game. They just can't do it because they're not used to doing it. They obviously don't do it in practice. I mean, you know, the whole concept of you practice how you're going to play. You know, if you have focused practice, focused practices, and if you come out and play 100% in practices, then you just do the same thing in the game. Well, I mean, that's it's, it's easy to say, like, in a, on a purely competitive sports level and, like, youth sports, but in the NBA, it's it's not it doesn't really work that way because practices, you, one, you don't really get a chance to practice a lot, and two, they're, they're not long practices and they're few and far between, and a lot of times they're on game days, and so a lot of times the practice on an NBA day is just like a walkthrough on the court. So it's, it's difficult to main to, it's difficult to impossible to kind of kind of game intensity uh, in a practice. So it makes it even harder for these guys. If they're not trained to do it, if they haven't been doing it since they're kids and that's like the only way that they know how to play, then it's, it's really difficult to get them to do that. You have to make, you have to have practices where that is your focus you have to come in and know that today we're going to practice how to how to have energy, how to have sustained energy for long periods of time. And I think it is more mental than physical. I mean, these, these guys are professional athletes, okay? It's not like they're fat slobs coming off the couch trying to drag themselves around a basketball court. Okay, these are professional athletes, you know? It's not like they can't run up and down a basketball court. It's the mental energy that it takes to sustain that kind of defensive intensity throughout the entire game that they don't have. And they don't have it because, one, they're not expected to do it. Two, they're not shown how to do it. They don't practice it. They don't even practice. He keeps canceling practices. They suck and they get blown out of a game, so you cancel practice. You don't have that much time left, Coach Antoni. You need to start practicing. You need to fly back from from Memphis, and as soon as they get off the plane, take the team right over there to Sepulveda, to El Segundo, and get on it and practice. But but see, you can't do that if you don't have a plan. You got to have a plan, and I don't think he has a plan. You know, any any kind of of success when you're talking about groups of people, team sports specifically, you for success, you got to have you got to have three things. You got to have desire, you got to have a plan, and you got to have the will to carry it out. Okay? That's something we do not have. Now, there's some, I think most guys on the team have the desire. I think that's there. Um, A plan? No. I don't think we have a plan. I don't think the offensive plan is fleshed out enough to be effective. There are no counters, and I think there's no defensive plan whatsoever. So. If you if you were to have a plan, then you also have to have the will to carry it out. I think right now guys are looking for they're they're trying to capture the will. 
to carry out the plan, you know, because we talk about energy. We got to come together as a team. We got to support each other and we got to really support each other and come together. That's that's the will to carry it out. That's the desire. But if you don't have a plan, then there's you're beating your head against a wall. You know, if if it, it's like the the Sisyphus complex, you know, if you're carrying this huge boulder up this mountain, you can have all the will and desire in the world. But if the mountain doesn't end, you're never going to get to the top. If you have no help getting that boulder up the mountain, if you don't have a, a system of, of pulleys and levers and, and a system, something that's going to help you get that boulder up, no matter what happens, you're, it's not going to happen. You know, If I say, I want you to break through that brick wall with your head, I want you to, I want you, I want you to break through that brick wall. Okay? Do you have the desire to do it? The only way we can win is if you break through that brick wall. Okay, I want to win. I have the desire. Good. I have the will to carry it out. Good. That means you will go and slam your fist and your head against that brick wall and you will die. That brick wall is not coming down unless you have a plan. You have to have a way, a ways to the means to do it. And if you don't have that plan, all the desire in the world, all the will in the world isn't going to make a bit of difference. You got to you got to have a plan. And right now, I think the Lakers are trying they're busting their heads against a brick wall cuz they don't have a plan. And that is coaching. I've been saying all all season long that the problem with the team is leadership. I've been saying first it was effort and then the reason that the effort is the problem is because of leadership. Team leadership and coaching both. Okay? Going back to what I said about Kobe earlier. Kobe is an instrument. He's a deadly instrument. He's one of the, the most deadly instruments in the league, but he's still an instrument. You can't expect him to be the Black Mamba, per se, ice-cold assassin, per se, and be the leader of the team who is going to support the other fellas and make sure everybody's feeling good about themselves, make sure everybody is involved in the game plan, making sure everybody's confident and feeling good about what they're doing. That's not who he is. Okay, like it or not, Kobe's never going to be that guy. Okay, I'm going to say it. Kobe's not a good leader. Okay, Kobe will never be a good leader. He's tried. He's tried to be a good leader. He tried. He first started in 2005 when it was, okay, Kobe, this is your team now. It's all about you. We got rid of Shaq. It's your team. Okay, I'm going to try to be a leader now. And he's, he's tried to do the things that you need to do as a leader, but it's not part of him. It's not who he is. He's not good at it. It's like... Kobe trying to be the leader of the team is like Anton Jameson trying to play defense. Sure, he'll try to do it. He'll try to do it, but he's not good at it. He's not going to be that successful at it. And that's what it is with with Kobe, you know? But thank goodness we have Steve Nash because that's what Steve Nash is. He is that type of guy. And you know who else needs to be that type of guy? Dwight Howard needs to be that type of guy really the future of this team, then he needs to figure out how to do that right now. Not only do you need to be able to dominate on the paint, dominate in the paint, dominate on the floor, you need to figure out how to be a leader. Because guess what? Your personality, Dwight, unlike Kobe, your personality is fitted to that. You could be that. You could be a great leader. You could be so much more of a leader than Kobe could ever be. You have the opportunity to do something better than the 
omnipotent Kobe Bryant, which I think is how Dwight looks at Kobe right now and is not necessarily in a good way. Kobe's never going to be a great leader. Dwight could be a great leader. He has that kind of personality. People like him. He's a nice guy. He likes people. He likes being around people. That's not who Kobe is. Kobe wants to win, period. Kobe wants to kick your ass on the court, period, and dominate. That's what Kobe wants. That's what makes him happy. Dwight wants that, too. Dwight wants to win. Dwight wants to be successful. But Dwight also wants you to like him. He wants everybody to be happy. He wants people to have fun. Kobe could care less if you're happy or if you're having fun. Okay? That is something that potentially could make Dwight a way better leader, team captain, than Kobe could ever be. But he will never be able to do that unless he adopts something from Kobe's game, which is his determination and his will. His 100% commitment to effort every single night, all the time. Shaq definitely didn't have that. Dwight could. I always thought of Dwight as always being a maximum effort guy until this season. He needs to do continue to do what he tried to do tonight before he injured his shoulder and come out and be that maximum dominant guy every single night. And then... And then, if he does that, he automatically earns the respect of his teammates. He automatically earns the respect of the coaching staff. He even automatically earns the respect of the rest of the league. And then, once he has that, all he has to do is just be himself. And he will become that leader. He will become that team leader that he has the potential to be. That he's not right now. Because right now he feels like he's not allowed to because he's on the team with Kobe Bryant. So he can't really be that type of a leader. Give me a break, okay? If you want to be that type of a leader, you could be that type of a leader right now. Right now. Because it's it's something that the team is lacking. It's something that not only is the team lacking, but it's something that the team needs desperately, okay? Right now, the only person doing it is is Steve Nash. But he's like talks like this all the time, and he doesn't have a big voice, and he doesn't have a big personality, so it's kind of hard for him to really motivate people to, uh, yeah. That's not who Dwight Howard is, okay? It's like St- Steve has the, the skill, and he has the desire to do it, but he doesn't have the, the tools, per se. And when I say tools, I mean he can't go out and completely dominate the game like Dwight Howard can. He doesn't have this huge, larger-than-life personality that everybody loves like Dwight Howard does. So he doesn't have that potential to be that type of a leader that Dwight Howard could be. And he must be if he's going to remain a Laker. Which brings us to, will he remain a Laker? (laughs) Um, well, actually, we're going to get to that. That's one of the one of the questions. Um, all right, let me see if I've left off anything so I can start to get to the questions and um, and wrap this uh, wrap this up. So we talked about Antony. Cool. Yes, Toronto game, Chicago game. No energy. Refusal to go inside. Yeah, it's it, it's a, it's the same thing. And and no energy again. That's it's that's a generalization. The team comes out and plays it with energy in spurts problem is that they can't they can't maintain it and it's it's mental mental uh stamina that they don't have because they don't practice it 
it's not expected and they don't they don't practice it. They don't know how to do it. Um let's see. Injuries and lack of playing time together is a real problem. Yeah, that's legit. You know, it's true. Like so when we played Oklahoma City the other night, who we play again in a couple days, they said something like the the starting lineup for Oklahoma City is has played together 80 games in a row, I think, at that time when we played them. 80 games. And I think our starting five had played together for three. <laughs> I, you just, what do you do? I mean, you can't overcome that. I mean, it's, that's, they talk about chemistry. You know, the team has no chemistry. Well, okay, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. Okay, one, we, they haven't played together that long. They they haven't even hardly ever played together. Not even like the length of a training camp has the starting lineup played together. You know, the bench hasn't even played together. There's no solidified bench. The rotations change every single week. I mean, how do you expect the bench to really be consistent when basically the coach, Coach D'Antoni, says, okay, I want you guys to come out with energy and shoot. Whenever you're open, you shoot the ball. Don't hesitate. Shoot the ball. And then they shoot the ball, and, and it doesn't always go in, and so they get benched if they can't make shots. And now their rhythm is completely off. Now their confidence is shaken. And so they, oh, they get called up. Oh, okay, shoot, shoot, shoot. All this pressure, 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 and you don't make it, and you know you're going to get benched, and then you get benched. So there's no rhythm. I can't overemphasize the importance of rhythm in a basketball team. And it's not like necessarily musical rhythm but just the rhythm you find a rhythm of the game your rhythm of your offense your rhythm of the defense the way you play off each other it is like music you know you're playing off of each other you're reacting to one another in a rhythmical way you get into a groove per se we hear people talking in these terms all the time about basketball players and basketball games you get into a groove and you have a rhythm with each other you fall into a rhythm in the offense and when it happens it's beautiful it's really a beautiful thing you know, and and the Lakers don't have that right now because one, they don't have, they haven't played with each other enough. They don't have the confidence um, with each other. They don't have the confidence in the system. They don't have the confidence that if they just come out and just work hard all the time, that everything's gonna get better. Because there's been so many games where they have actually came out and said, "We're gonna really work hard. We're gonna come out with energy," and they do, and then they still lose. So it's like, what do you do in that point? How can you not be affected mentally by that? If unless you're Kobe Bryant, who it doesn't matter. We could be we could be in last place, one game to go in the season, and he's still going to see there. We can do it. We can we can do it. We're going to go out and we're going to win this game and turn this thing around. He he doesn't have another gear. I wish everybody, oh, more people on the team were like that, you know. Um, but that's kind of the reason. That's that's what where, where chemistry comes in, and also th- you can't overemphasize the fact <laughs> that losing. When you're losing, chemistry is bad, and the and it's not. I don't. I really don't believe that it's not because the guys on the team don't like each other. That's been played a lot, played up a lot in the media. Well, we don't have to like each other to play well together. We don't have to go out together and all, all that stuff. It, it's it's overblown. Okay, it's not that they don't like each other. It's because they're losing. Okay, nobody likes to lose. Nobody on this team likes to lose. Everybody wants to win. Nobody likes to lose. They're losing. It hurts chemistry. When you're lo- when you're think you're doing everything that you can and you're not getting results, 
that hurts your confidence, that's going to hurt the chemistry. And that's all happening right now because the players know that they need to have more effort. They know they need to have more energy. We've been saying it for months. And they come out and they play with effort and energy, but they can't sustain it. And so we lose. And then it's disheartening because there's no plan. You know, the coach needs to come out, go to every single person, look them right in the eye and tell them, look, this is what you're doing well. You know, this is what you're doing well. Pal, you're doing a great job passing the ball. You've rebounded much better. And and that is really getting us through this tough time right now. You need to be more aggressive. You need to be more aggressive in the paint. You need to rebound more. You need to do this, this, this. Here's what you do well. Here's what I need you to do. Every single person, Kobe Bryant included, that's what needs to happen from this coaching staff to get real results from these guys. You you got to give them one. You got to let them know that you understand that they are working hard sometimes. You know, yeah, it's easy for us on the outside to say this team isn't working hard. They have no effort. They have no energy. Like I said, it's an overgeneralization, and that doesn't do them any good because they are playing with energy often. It's just not enough. So it's not it's not enough to the psyche of a person to just go up and say, yeah, you've been really working hard, and this is, sucks, but you know what? You just have to work harder. You, you need a specific plan. You've got to tell them something specific that they can do. Here's what you do. Here's what you've been doing well for us. Awesome. And that's been helping us in this way. Now, here's what I need you to do now. Boom, boom, boom. Every single person. You need to tell Steve Nash, your boy, you know, you need to cut down the turnovers, Steve. That's hurting the team. You need to take care of the ball more, move the ball more, take care of it, and cut down your turnovers. And you need to score more. Boom. You know, you need to go up to Kobe Bryant and, you know, say, Kobe, you've been getting us through this entire season. You know, you've you've scored, a, kept us in so many games this year that we would be so much worse if we if we didn't have you have you there. I need you to stop isolating so much and move that ball, move the ball. And I promise you, I will get on everybody else in the team to make sure they move the ball too. At least result in either an open shot or the ball will get back to you and you might even be open and make things easier for you. Okay? That's specific information. You give them something good and then something specific that they need to do better. I don't think he's doing that. I think the only thing he's saying is you guys got to work harder. You guys got to play better defense. Well, it's, it's, they're starting to tune you out, dude. They're starting to tune you out. Okay, because anybody with the right mind would if I keep doing that, what you're saying, which is play harder, more energy, and it's still not producing results. And you just keep saying the same thing. I'm going to start to tune tune you out. Okay. Um, Dave McMinniman, who is a a reporter, he works for ESPN Los Angeles. Um, He writes Falls the Lakers all the time. Real good reporter. He he wrote this article at the end of the article. He asked the question, can the season possibly take a turn? For the better, or more aptly, can this season get any worse? Right now, it seems like there's no way this could get any worse. This is like has so far exceeded our wildest dreams of failure that there's no way that this could get worse. Right? Uh, wrong. Let me tell. Let me answer that question. This this could get a lot worse. Okay. There's one of two things is going to happen. Okay. Either one. 
actually find a way to figure it out and start working together. They're going to come together as a team and really figure out a way to start working together, making the offense work and improving on defense and start to dig ourselves out of this hole. Or, and unfortunately, this is the most, the more likely scenario, or two, this team is literally going to implode upon itself. Because right now, they have the, the pressure of one being the, the joke of the league. The, the, we were supposed to be this dominant Hall of Fame team coming in, and now we're the joke that we can't beat anybody. And, and the guys on the team watch Sports Center. They know what everybody else in the league is saying about us. They know how people are looking at us. We're, it's, a, it's a joke. You know, and they're very aware of that, and that brings pressure. It brings pressure every single night. They have this pressure that they have to turn this thing around. They have to turn this thing around. Well, what happens when we are actually are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? What happens then to this team when you have nothing to play for? What's going to happen then? Kobe's still going to be fighting. Steve Nash is still going to be fighting to play. But other guys, what if they if they give up? This this team could explode in our faces. This, I mean, there could it could get so much worse. They could they could even start blowing up the team. I mean, the trade deadline is coming up. You know, they could very well say, you know what, they're going to blow up the team because this the the team that we have doesn't fit with Mike D'Antoni's uh, system, and we're not in the position where we're going to get rid of Mike D'Antoni. So uh, we're going to start trading people, and the first scapegoat out of that is probably going to be Pau Gasol, and I think that would be so sad if that happened. But it it just might, it just might if they could get decent decent value back for him i think they probably would trade him in a second just to do something to salvage this uh this joke mockery um of a season let's uh let's get to the questions so we can start wrapping this up i'm sorry this has been a long one but uh it's been a while since i've done a podcast and obviously we got some issues uh that we got as a team right now so uh sorry this has been a longer one but so let's get to our questions our first question these are good questions too uh first one is from joe torres joe asks uh, he says rumors are high that dwight is not happy and that we should trade him before he leaves and we get nothing in return what are your thoughts well joe that actually is a is a pretty legit uh concern um things are obviously not going well right now with the team dwight howard is not seem to be happy with how things are going uh which means there is a chance that when he becomes a free agent at the end of the season he could uh he could walk um honestly i don't think he's going to uh and i think the reasons are are one he um he wants to be on a contending team the lakers are always going to be contending even though obviously this season is becoming a travesty but the front office obviously did a well, I was going to say a fantastic job, but it doesn't seem like it's fantastic now. But what they, what everybody deemed to be a fantastic job at putting together a championship caliber team for this year. And the Lakers will always do that. I mean, that's one thing that he knows and everybody knows the Lakers will always do that. So if he wants to be on a contender, this is the place that he should be. I mean, in two years when everybody's contracts are up, they're going to have tons of cap room to go out and go after a major free agent in 2014 you know possibly even lebron james carmelo anthony get some of those guys in here to play with dwight howard and continue to compete for championships he knows that and two um it's going to be his team 
in a year or two, it's this is going to be his team. That's what he seems to want, and that's what he's going to get, like it or not. Um, so that's going to happen. And and three, he's going to get be he can get more money here than anywhere else in the world, in 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 the league. We we own the bird rights on him. We can pay him more than any other team, and we're going to have the cap space to do it uh, in uh, in a couple years. So he can sign a, a huge contract at the end of this year, and uh, he can be the man. I, I don't. I, I think I think it's a no brainer that he's going to stay. The, the real question, based on how this season is going, I think the real question in my mind is, should we keep him? Should we not, sh- is Dwight going to want to stay, but should we keep Dwight Howard? Because of his inconsistency, seeming inconsistency in his play and in his effort and in his attitude. Okay, so I think what happens in the rest of the season, or at least from here to the trading deadline, is real, real important. And the attitude that Dwight Howard has and the effort that he puts out, the consistent effort that he puts out or doesn't put out on the court, I think is going to play a lot into it. Because really, if he's not going to step up now, then how do we know he's going to really step up when he's the man? You know, it, pro- if history has teaches teaches us anything, he probably won't, which means he never will be the guy that we want him to be. So is that really the guy that we should build our team around? That is the real question, I think, that should be considered. Now, my personal opinion is I, I think he will. I really do. I think he will do that. I think he wants to be the best that he can be. Uh, sometimes he just gets le- allows himself to be a little immature about it. But I, I think he can, and I think he will. I really hope so. Um, but that's that's my opinion. That's my take on that. I don't think he's leaving. Uh, even if we crash and burn this year, I don't. I don't think he'll he'll leave. And you know, if he does, he does. Whatever. It's life is a gamble. You know, this whole thing is a gamble. Do we trade him? Do we not trade him? Is he going to leave? Is he not going to leave? But that's the one thing that our owner does better than anybody else is gamble. (laughs) He's a gambler. That's what he does. Yeah, he's the owner of the Lakers, but he's a gambler. He's a card shark. Jerry Buss, he's a gambling man. He knows when to hold him, when to fold him, and that's his job. So I think he knows better than anybody how how to deal with that situation, and I'll let him handle it. But that's my opinion on it. Second question comes from uh, Romero. Romero has a good question. He says, uh, okay, I'm a Laker fan. Now, at what point would it be acceptable for me to start tuning in to Clippers games more? <laughs> okay. I think that's an excellent question and something that deserves to be answered. Okay, because I my opinion on this is something that I assume is going to be different than a lot of Laker fans out there, fr- judging from the, the comments that I read on social media. Um I like the Clippers. I've always liked the Clippers. Okay, I'm not a bandwagon fan. I'm not jumping on the Clipper bandwagon and go, woo, red and blue, Clippers, Lakers suck. No. Lakers, number one, obviously, regardless of, of what happens. Okay, but the Clippers, to me, this is, a, this, is, this is kind of apropos considering that we just played Memphis uh, as I'm the night that I'm recording this podcast. Memphis is the team that has Powell's little brother, uh, Mark Gasol, on it. The relationship that Powell and Mark have is the relationship that kind of I have with the Clippers um, personally. It's 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 his little brother. Obviously, you support your little brother. You want your little brother to do well. You want your little brother to win, except when he's playing you. And that that's how how Powell comes across and 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 thinks about it. I think he loves he loves his brother Mark. He wants him to have success, 
just not against him. You know, when they're playing the Lakers, he wants to beat them. And that's the same thing with the Clippers. I hate losing to the Clippers. I absolutely hate it. But I don't mind when the Clippers beat other people. You know, I see it as like the they're they're the little brother, that, and they've always been the little brother. And I and if you're a Clipper fan listening to this, I know that pisses you off because that that's the one thing that Clipper fans hate is that Laker fans or Lakers look at them as the little brother because they don't want to be the little brother. They, they if, if if there's anything that the little brother wants to do to a big brother, it's kick that big brother's ass, and that's how they feel about us. And that kind of explains the dichotomy and relationship between the Clippers and the Lakers, I think. And that's okay. I think that's cool. They should have that feeling because that's how kind of little little brothers think. But as a big brother. And the only reason that we're the big brothers is because the Lakers, face it, you know, they have 16 championships and the Clippers have none. So there it is. But they're coming up on their own. And I, I love to see the Clippers succeed and have success. I think they have a great team right now. I mean, plus half their team are Lakers anyway. I mean, there's like four former Lakers on there, on the on the Clippers. So how could you not voot, you know, voot? How could you not root, you know, for, for Karan Butler and, and for, for Roney? Who can't root? Who's not going to root for Roni Turiaf? Lamar. I mean, these these are some of my favorite Lakers when they were on the team. Guys that you were crushed when when we lost them. I you were I was crushed when Lamar left when Roni left. You know, I mean, Kron wasn't Kron Butler was on, was on that team for that long, but he was still a great player when he played with us. I mean, Matt Barnes was was here very recently. You know, these are all Lakers in my mind. So yes, go. I support those guys, and I hope they they do well. And from a pure basketball sense, as a fan of the game, of the game of basketball, the Clippers are playing some damn good basketball right now. And you you gotta respect that. You gotta, and I think you should allow yourself as Laker fans to enjoy that. It's still L.A. You know, the Clippers are from Los Angeles, from Staples Center. It's our home. We share it with them. And judging from, and from the, the deal that they just signed today, we're going to share it with them for the next 10 years. So get used to it. You know, it's uh, familia. So I, I, su- I completely support the Clippers. I enjoy – I've been watching Clipper games. Um the only thing, the only thing that I don't like about watching Clipper games is the damn announcers. Those two guys, oh my, they're the biggest homers that I've ever heard. It's ridiculous listening to those guys talk. Like, the the players on the team are God's gift to basketball. I could never do anything wrong, and are, it's it's man. I mean, they're a good team and they're playing really well together. But dudes, come on. I mean, I listen to to you know our our regular announcers, and they're always like when the players are sucking, or when they're not playing well, or when the other team does well. And it's easy to say now that the Lakers as a team are sucking, and the Clippers as a team are doing are doing great. So it kind of falls into that a little bit. I understand, but um, bottom line is, I I think there's nothing wrong with watching Clipper games right now. There's nothing wrong with supporting the Clippers. I say definitely support the Clippers. You know, as long as they're not playing the Lakers, and when they are playing the Lakers, screw them. They should lose, period. That's how it is. But when they're not, go go Clips. You know, I'm not gonna fly any Clippers flags because I gotta support the purple and gold with my colors all the time. But I, I mean, you know, yes, go Clips. I think you should definitely support them and enjoy watching Clipper games. I just watched Clippers play the Thunder, and that was a, it was a good game, really great, entertaining game. And as Laker fans know, not all Laker fans lately have been entertaining games. So. Go to where the entertainment is, as long as you don't just jump off the bandwagon. I don't. I'm not saying oh, let's all jump off the Lakers. Screw the Lakers. Now we're Clipper fans. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying support the home team. Is what I'm saying. 
okay, last question. Thank God. This is from uh, from Gabe. Gabe Dulick. He's uh, contributed to the show before. This is a great question, and I really want to answer this. He says, uh, if Laker Lance were the owner, decision maker, what would he do? Who would he trade? And who would he slap in the face to wake up, of course? Okay, thank you so much for asking me that question, Gabe. And here is what what I would do. Okay, first of all, I would slap everybody in the face. I would go put everybody in the locker room and slap everybody in the face. And then I would do what I said before is tell them, each person, look them right in the eye. This is what you've been doing good for the team. This is what we like about you. And now this is what we need you to do better after the slap. And then maybe slap them again after you tell them. That's what I would do with each each one of the players. Now, in terms of trading and all that stuff, okay, if we're dealing with like La La Fairyland hypotheticals and I can do whatever I want to do, no matter what, then I would fire D'Antoni. I would get rid of him and I would get another coach in there. Uh, yes, I, I know there's no way this can happen, even if it's not me making the decisions. Obviously, I know I'm not going to make the decisions, but I know that even whoever is the pe- the people who are making the decisions, there's no way that can happen because there are we're already paying Mike Brown's salary. We're already going to be paying uh, Coach Antonio's salary, even if we fire him. And then we'd have to get, bring in another head coach, pay his salary. We're going to pay three head coach salaries in the millions each during the same season. It, it's just it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. When we fired Mike Brown and hired D'Antoni, I said it at the time. I was like, we are in this good or bad. We're in this for the long haul. He is going to be our coach for the remainder of the season no matter what. And um, I think that that's a problem because it it might dictate trades that we might have to make just to try to make his system work because the only way he can coach is if he coaches his system. And we're 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 kind of we're kind of we kind of screwed the pooch here. I think you know we made we made our deal with the devil, and now we're realizing that it was a bad deal and we shouldn't have done it and we can't get out of it, and now we're stuck. You know we're stuck uh, we're stuck dealing with it because uh, he can't he can't change. I mean any person you it's okay to have a philosophy. Everybody should have a philosophy, you know, a system, a system that you run and a philosophy that you use to play the game of basketball and that's how it should be done. But any successful coach in any sport or or competitive activity will tell you that you have to create a game plan, create your style or plan for that season based on the players that you have. Okay. All the debate when we've hired Mike Brown is we should we hire Phil Jackson, Mike D'Antoni. It was debated at length. It was debated at length on this podcast. You know, which system is this team better suited for? Obviously the reason we went with D'Antoni and with Antoni and his system is because of Steve Nash. Because we just got Steve Nash. He's the arc the one player in the world who's better in the world at running that specific system, we can run that system, have success, and then have the added bonus of having the two seven-footers to really, really go over the top with it. As opposed to running the triangle or starting to teach the triangle, which which the opinion at the time was is a much harder thing to learn than Coach Antoni's offense. 
when they're already confused about the Princeton offense and now bring in another confusing offense that only three guys on the team have ever played before out of 15 and, and start learning that in the middle of the season, it was going to take too much time and it didn't, it didn't make sense. And that made, uh, made sense to me. But the reality is neither one of those two systems really fit this personnel. You know, the triangle would kind of negate having Steve Nash running uh, Mike, Antoni's run-and-gun system kind of negates having the two seven-footers. So either way, no matter what coach you bring in, he's going to have to adjust and adjust his system and adjust his style to fit the personnel that you have. That's what every successful coach has ever done in every single championship in the history of the world. Okay? You can't just bring in a pre-existing system and and make your team fit into it no matter who you have you're gonna have slight adjustments sometimes they're slight sometimes they're not slight you know the what's the one advantage that we have right now over the entire rest of the league i think about that that sounds kind of weird to say because like right now you're like really we have an what we have an advantage over everybody else (laughs) what is that you know and we do we have one advantage over every single team in the league is it our speed no is it our defense no (laughs) is is the one thing that we have that nobody else really has to the same extent that we do is our size our size this has been our advantage for the last three or four years okay our size nobody can compete with our size so why the hell would we trade away one of our seven-footers if that's the only advantage that we have to try to fit players into this pre-existing system? We're going to give away our one advantage? It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. The one advantage that we have is our size, the fact that we have both Powell and Dwight. That's a combination no other team in the league has. The Miami Heat can't compete with our size, you know? Oklahoma City can't even compete with our size. Nobody can compete with our size if we utilize it to the extent that is possible. And that's what he's not doing. That's what Coach Antonio, I don't even think he has a desire to do. He doesn't have a plan to do it. He doesn't have the desire to do it. He doesn't have the will to do it. We've got nothing. That's what's so frustrating. That's why I would totally get rid of him if I had to, if I had the choice. Get rid of him and bring in somebody who could take the talent that we have which is still considerable regardless of our record it is still a considerable amount of talent and take it and be able to make it work together could phil jackson have done that i don't really know i don't know would he have completely negated steve nash and having him maybe that might have happened you know i don't know that he would have been able to do that i don't know i mean phil's got an ego too you know, I don't know if Phil would have came in here and be like, okay, I'm going to completely change my system to make it fit uh, with the current players. I mean, he might have, and it's easy to say that now. It's easy to say, of course, Phil Jackson, he's a genius, and of course he would have done that. We don't know that. We don't know that he would have done that at all. My fear when we were first talking about what kind of coach to get is that he wouldn't do that. So it's kind of silly to just assume now because things are going so bad that, yeah, he would have done that. You, you can't say that. Okay, so brings us to the obvious question. Okay, Lakerlands, so you're going to get rid of the coach. Who are you going to bring in? What kind of coach are you going to bring in? You know, well, okay, we need somebody 
what's what's the uh, let's let's talk about the ideal head coach situation that we would want to bring in, right? What would we want? Let's see. How about maybe somebody who is a defensive specialist? Okay, that'd be good. Mike Brown was that. Somebody else who is a defensive specialist. Somebody, how about if he's a former Laker? That would be a bonus too, right? Maybe somebody who's won multiple championships as a player and as a coach. Maybe somebody who comes from Coach Jackson, Phil Jackson's coaching tree. Somebody who also obviously has head coaching experience. Is there anybody out there who fits these criteria, maybe, and even is currently unemployed as a coach, which means available? Yes, he's right here living in L.A., Kurt Rambis. We need to hire Kurt Rambis as our new head coach. Kurt could come in. Kurt was in charge of the Lakers' defense under Phil Jackson when we won the championships. Kurt spent eight years coaching with Phil, being in charge of the defense when we won the championships. Kurt got his own head coaching gig, and he left to go coach the Minnesota Timberwolves. Once Kurt left, we never won any more championships. Yeah, that's right. We need Kurt back. Okay, now, I understand it's not going to happen. I understand they're not going to fire Coach D'Antoni because of, you know, the fact that we've already fired Mike Brown and all this stuff. So what is, is this just, this is just a pipe dream, right, Lance? He said, it sounds like a good idea, but it's just a pipe dream. Maybe not. One thing that I, I've said this before, Coach D'Antoni said, the next time I get a coaching gig, I'm going to bring in a defensive specialist. I'm going to bring in somebody to help me to really shore up the defense so it's not a weakness in my system. He didn't do that. That was stupid. That was a mistake. That was his ego not allowing him to do what's best for the team. It's not too late. It's not too late to bring – it's probably too late to fire the, the head coach. It's not too late to bring in another assistant coach. You can even fire, get rid of Eddie Jordan, okay? I don't know the guy personally. I don't got anything against him. But the whole reason he was brought in here is to teach the Princeton offense. We're not playing the Princeton offense anymore. What's he still there for, okay? You need a spot. Get, get rid of him. Best of luck. He'll get another gig somewhere and bring in Kurt Rambis right now as an assistant coach, and he will be in charge of the defense. Give these guys a plan. Give these guys a way and a means to get something done. Start on the defensive end and give them a way to do it. Specificity, knowledge, and experience. That's what he can bring. That's what bring to, he can bring to the team right now. Bring it in, and then hopefully he can he can improve the defense. And you know what? Maybe we still don't make the playoffs. Maybe we still don't go any farther than the first round. But if we can improve defensively as a team and start to get a rhythm as a team, then I say, cool, whatever happens, happens. And then the end of the season, get, get Antoni's ass out of there, fire him, and then let Kurt Rambis be the head coach going into Kobe's last year. Clark Kent coaching Superman. Boom. Bring it. That's what the Lakers need. That's what's going to bring us success. That's what we need to do. That's what I can only hope and pray that's going to happen. I hope they will do it, and that's what I got to say about that. That's my take. Thank you, Gabe, for asking the question. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please give me some feedback. Come check us out on Facebook. You can check us out at First Take with Lance, or Facebook, backward slash First Take with Lance. Come over on Twitter, First Take W Lance. Hit us up. Give us a follow. Give us some feedback. Tell me something you like. Give give me some your questions. I will answer your question on the, on the show. Promise one hundred percent every single time. Thanks for the feedback. Go Lakers. Let's not give up. There's still a chance. Stay with the team. Stay loyal. I'm out. Bye. <laughs>